about female founders um, and by extension female funders so investors as well um so to the first point here i think there's a really interesting idea um, that I've heard. This is not my own quote. Um, definitely taken from somewhere I don't know where. But um, basically, people have said, you know, women pitch companies and men pitch unicorns. And obviously, that's a generalization. Of course, there's nuances there and everybody is different. But I think in general, what's really interesting about um, female founders and sort of how they might sometimes be disadvantaged in a pitch is that in general, um, men tend to in their pitches highlight, and this is sort of geared specifically towards early stage companies, seed stage companies, which is where my expertise is. And of course, growth is a whole different ball game. Um, but kind of on the early stage side, men, male founders um, tend to pitch unicorns in that they tend to focus much, much more on the massive TAM total addressable market, the massive opportunity, um, and you know the massive sort of everything and like long-term vision and painting the picture um, of the future, um, which is obviously really important. Um, but it's also really exciting and really interesting to not just VCs but obviously everybody in general. Um, and the, on the other side of the spectrum, I think female founders tend to focus um, more specifically on all the near-term, medium-term, nitty-gritty details. Um, so specifically um, around, um, you know, how to get their warehouse or their financials um, or things like that. Um, and so I think um, that ends up being really important to actually running the business. Um, but then it also isn't the most exciting thing. I mean, it's not just VCs. I don't think most of us out there would love to, you know, learn more about warehouses or, you know, supply chains, et cetera, at a very granular level. Um, but what ends up happening as a result is that women feel like they need much more facts and figures and practicality to back up their claims and show that what they want to do is possible. And in that process, they end up showing too much that it's possible versus actually showing what it is they want to do. And as a result, VC investors tend to get more excited by these like really macro visionary pitches from men. Um, and I think part of it goes back to the confidence because women are generally less confident especially in sort of male-dominated partnership meetings um, or just a male-dominated field um, of VC in general. I think there's some crazy statistic that like either it's like 4% of investors are women or 4% of funding goes to women, but either which way, we're definitely super underrepresented in the field of VC. It's not even, you know, 40, 60 or 30, 70. It's, you know, certainly very skewed um, in one direction. And so I think as a result, women tend to be especially less confident um, in these VC meetings. Um, and so they end up um, feeling like they need to bolster themselves and their company more with all these details um, around how they're going to do it instead of what they're going to do. And then men sort of feel the confidence or like, oh, you know, who knows how we're going to do it, but we'll figure it out. You know, they're super confident in that and they're super confident they'll be able to achieve the big vision they're pitching. And so they end up focusing much more on that. And that's much more exciting to investors. And so I think that's kind of a reason why, um, you know, women kind of take an all too practical approach to pitching. Um, and it actually ends up turning away some investors um, instinctively. So I think obviously there's a lot of systemic issues to unpack there and, and nothing that we can sort of change overnight in terms of the gender imbalance. Um, but I think kind of some things to be mindful of um, are if you know you're a female founder, even if you're you know a male as well, but maybe just a little bit less confident by nature, or maybe you're a person of color or other minority. I think what's really important is to just I know it's hard to just say like believe in yourself, because it's certainly not as easy as that. But I think um, kind of just taking the time to 
uh, maybe emphasize more the long-term vision and having backup slides maybe in the appendix um, showing um, you know kind of the details and the financials and the projections and the data so that when you're asked you can feel comfortable and know those slides are there to be able to flip to and know that you know that information since you obviously did the research to make the slides um, but then during kind of the pitch itself focusing more on the bigger picture and just noting that you have all the backup data if they want to see it and if they want to talk about it um, but you want to kind of focus on the high level first to really set the foundation and um, the groundwork um, of what it is you're building so that's kind of the first point on pitching companies versus unicorns um, so the second is female-focused VC funds so there have been um, a bunch that have popped up um, I'd say over the last couple of years it's definitely a newer trend and, and certainly you know Silicon Valley has been more of a boys club earlier on and in still is obviously but I think less so and there's been great work kind of being done in this area so one fund I had worked at was female founders fund um, this was during school um, definitely check them out um, search female founders fund um, FFF 3s um, and so I worked um, leading their college fellows program and basically we were doing research for their largely consumer-oriented portfolio companies that were mostly selling into millennials and Gen Z markets. So um, we're obviously all Gen Z current college students or recent graduates. And so we were able to collect data um, from our classmates, our friends, um, in the most unbiased way possible to be able to help them predict um, consumer behavior patterns and consumer preferences and changing consumer psychology um, to further help them refine their product approach. But as their name suggests, um, they're focused on female founders in particular. And so um, I think it's really important to have these dedicated VC funds um, like Female Founders Fund and there's certainly other ones like Jane VC that's a little bit more recent. I think they raised their first fund um, last year. I think this was my senior year of college. So last year, um, so that's another one. Um, and then there's Halogen Ventures as well, SoGal Ventures. Um, there's a whole bunch and we can definitely include some links as well, but um, definitely kind of a, a whole great trend um, that's happening to VC. I think people are coming around and realizing there is this huge gender imbalance in terms of funders as well as founders um, or where the capital is flowing and I think kind of having this carved out sort of dedicated portion of capital obviously it ends up not being so much in the grand scheme of venture but this dedicated portion of capital specifically for a female founders is really important I think um, also kind of another point on that is when um, people kind of pitch to VCs so I think um, a lot of it is really instinct. I mean, it's not that VCs can predict the future and they're, you know, matching your um, company to a future that they know. Uh, but I think it's very much kind of pattern matching as well as kind of their instincts. And I think women obviously tend to create products for other women um, since that's the market they understand most and where they felt pain points and had personal experiences um, and can connect with and build the best rapport with. Um, but then, um, you know, women are obviously 50% of the world and the U.S. population, however you want to cut it, maybe even a little bit more 51 or something. But um, I think a lot of times investors tend to be men and so they'll 
not really understand the product because you know they don't understand menstruation they don't understand makeup or they don't understand motherhood or fertility um or egg freezing etc um but then they'll just turn to their wives um or their daughters um who are obviously women but they are not certainly representative of the greater um you know broader population of, of women in this country given that usually vc investors or partners are very upper class and so are their wives or children by extension and so i think it ends up happening that a lot of um vc investors turn away female founders because they simply don't understand their product and don't make an effort to understand their product and just they quickly do a poll of two people of their wives and their children who are very clearly um at least as far as we can see not always representative of you know females in general for any particular product class and so i think um that ends up being a huge hurdle for women and getting funding and so i think having these dedicated female focused vcs and ability for um female founders to build this rapport um, with investors um, is really important um, and female investors in particular you know all these female focused funds have female investors and so I think it's really important to have this sort of unique space not just capital allocated obviously that too but also this experience they're able to have with people who fundamentally understand their product and um, and so I think in terms of takeaways what um, male allies or male investors can do um, in terms of supporting female founders is kind of taking it a pause and, and saying, you know, like just sort of taking it analogously. So let's say you're looking at an enterprise SaaS company um, that you would obviously not be the end user for since we're, you know, VCs and not enterprise SaaS companies and, and as an individual, we're not a company. Um, but kind of taking a step back, so like let's say you're evaluating an enterprise SaaS company, would you just say, oh, this, um, you know, no code tool for, um, you know, doctor's offices isn't something I would use, so I'm not going to invest? Obviously not because, um, you know, by definition, you're a VC fund, not a doctor's office. It's not that every single product that you invest in is something that you would personally use. And so I think kind of just taking that pause and instead of kind of passing judgment or just saying, no, this doesn't feel right or this isn't something my wife would use, but kind of doing deeper customer research and taking the time to really understand the perspective of the target customer, whether it's the average woman or, you know, any particular type of woman, um, even ones who are not in your network. And I think that's really important um, as well. And I think even just sort of like moving more top of funnels, this is sort of advice I just gave us kind of more when you're already at the pitch meeting, which is certainly not something everybody makes it to. So I think kind of being more conscientious around top of funnel as well, um, where you might have, um, you know, just kind of inbounds from other men because they see your whole partnership as a group of men, or um, maybe they um, maybe they came in through inbounds from your friends or other investors who you're close to or also men, um, given just how male-dominated VCs are. So I think kind of making a, um, a special effort to get to know female founders and having a female founders tag on your website even or showing pictures of women partners more prominently on your page if you have any and, and hopefully you do, um, or kind of writing articles even around um, just saying that you're open for business for female founders or even going to particular events like demo days geared towards female founders. I mean, that's all really important. Um, so I think kind of taking those intentional steps both at the partner meeting as well as um, creating a more diverse top of funnel in a very conscientious, very deliberate way is, is super crucial. Um, so female focused startup communities, I guess startup and 
venture in general, I guess I can sort of speak to them both. Um, but I think kind of a, a couple of different ones. So Women in VC is this group of like a thousand or so, um, obviously women in VC. And so um, definitely check them out and, and try to join um, if you're a female investor. And there's a lot of great conversations to be had. And I think once there's a stronger connection um, between female funders, um, it can sort of transcend the funder-founder gap and hopefully create better opportunities for female founders as well. And also if um, you know an investor you know who's a woman and maybe an investor in your company, this is for founders, um, you can recommend that they join there and they can hopefully better support you and other female founders. And so there's a lot of discussions there and resources and help around that too. Um, and then obviously um, a plug for Alpha um, as well. Alpha is a community of 26,000 women in tech venture and startups um, and so basically um, it's this sort of forum kind of like a reddit in many ways um, where you're able to ask questions that are top of mind or even doesn't have to be a question it could just be um, an article or a thought that you want to share something you want to get advice on uh, maybe a more pointed question anything like that you can just feel free to share um, anonymously or as yourself and then people will pretty much always respond with really thoughtful comments and feedback and sharing their own experiences and so it's been a really supportive really positive culture um, and the one sort of um, thing to note is that you're able to post anonymously but only after you log in and so it's a curated community not in terms of being selective or exclusive um, but just making sure everybody is well-intentioned so everybody's you know truly a woman and tech venture startups when they come onto the platform and so I think um, that's kind of a unique um, aspect and that's sort of what's helped to create a really positive culture and then there's also aside from the forum structure there's also events and job opportunities specifically from companies that are trying to hire more women and being deliberate about that so that's really great um, and then also there's um, different featured posts that I lead, um, so different writings from members as well as interviews I've done, and then we also have AMAs, um, Ask Me Anything, also known as office hours that I also lead um, with sort of more high profile women. Um, like in the past, we've had um, the CEO and the founder of Glossier. We've had the CEO and the founder of The Wing. We've had Eileen Lee, who's on the Midas list um, in the founder of Cowboy Ventures. Um, and so lots of really interesting people. Um, and so AMAs, you can, as the name suggests, ask them anything and they'll respond to your questions. And we have a new one or two people each week. Um, and so that's a bit on Alpha, I definitely recommend um, that as well. SoGal, I think, is a venture fund, but they also have lots of different events and virtual pitch nights all around the world um, and local communities. And you can even start one in your local community if there isn't a chapter yet. So it's a sort of decentralized model um, where you're able to get more plugged in as a female founder um, to female VCs and other allies um, in your local community. And I guess nowadays everything's quite virtual, but I was part of the community in Boston when I went to school there. and. Um, is a really vibrant community of not just um, investors and founders, but all kinds of supporters, obviously mostly women, but really tailored towards supporting female founders um, and building a whole ecosystem around that locally. Um, next um, point is advice for female investors at male-dominated funds. So I think kind of what's really interesting here is so kind of my own experience too. So I obviously am a woman, um, investor, um, and everybody who works at my fund, I'm, I mean, I work at a pretty small fund to be fair. So it's not like, you know, 100 people, I'm the only woman, that would be a little bit crazy. But um, we're a super small team. I'm actually the first full-time hire. And so um, understandably, you know, I am the only woman, but we don't have many men either. We just have a very small team. 
and it's been a great experience so far so nothing kind of wrong with that but I've always kind of thought about how I could help female founders more kind of being in this male dominated industry and male dominated firm um obviously you know i wouldn't really have this question if i were at like a female founders fund for example or like an all-female partnership um but i think obviously most women end up working just statistically at um partnerships that are all male or mostly male and so i think this is an important kind of area to hone in on but i think a couple of things you can do so if you're not in a check writing capacity obviously if you're in a check writing capacity that's a little bit different and you're able to have a lot more agency over what you invest in but i think most people are associates and analysts just by the numbers um, and so they're not in the check writing capacity for the most part. And so just like myself, I, I can't write checks because I'm an associate, but um, I think kind of something to think about is um, even if obviously you can vouch for the company and do your diligence and present your work and try to make a good case and sell the opportunity to your boss. But um, if you can't, or just, you know, if they're a little bit more stubborn and not able to come around to um, a check writing comfort level, I think what you can do is introduce them to other female funders um, and they meet some people with check writing abilities or just these other communities that we've spoken about or female focused VCs in general um, or you know even other associates who could be good champions for them and other funds even if those funds aren't female focused and so um, I think that's kind of one thing you can do another thing you can do is sort of help them um, in kind of these low friction ways of like reviewing their deck for example and providing pointers kind of going back to the first point on pitching companies versus unicorns you could share that insight that you've had with them um, I think that could be really impactful for them because for many of them it's sort of their first time pitching um, or they just don't have as much experience um, and so kind of one value add you can have from having seen many different pitches women and from men and sort of building a, a model around what's successful at least in terms of getting money um, and so kind of sharing insights around that and I think the last thing too is just sort of demystifying the process and um, for female founders. I think for them, VC seems like a really opaque world. And I think, you know, to be fair, a lot of people think VC is a really opaque world and, and you know, probably is. And I'm still trying to figure it out myself, but I think to the extent that you can try to explain to them, you know, how do partnership meetings work? What are the typical main pushbacks that VC investors have? You don't have to agree with them, um, but you just can just tell them, you know, what you've seen and what you've noticed so that they can sort of further craft their pitch um, and things like that so that's kind of what I would recommend um, there um, and then advice for female founders um, for my alpha interviews um, so I think what's interesting too is that you have to um, be I think sometimes we all feel uncomfortable like changing themselves I spoke with Laura D'Asaro, um, who's the founder of Chirps Chips. Um, so they basically create chips and then now, um, you know, um, baking powder or, or like um, cookie mix, I think is what you call it. Cookie mix, I'm, I'm not a baker clearly, but they create cookie mix and bars and chips out of cricket protein. And so they're basically trying to solve um, the sustainability problem, obviously, as you've seen, now more than ever with you know the, the news I'm sure everyone has heard around the meat packing plants being shut down or just being these huge COVID hotbeds and you know meat shortages everywhere um, and obviously meat has its own sort of both um, you know people have animal rights concerns around it as well as sustainability greenhouse gas emissions concerns around it and so I think kind of um, something to focus on 
there is um you know using insect protein instead of meat protein obviously insects are technically meat but um they're also very protein rich and very nutritious and also don't harm the environment nearly as much and so there's no kind of farming component and they're obviously very low slash no maintenance and so they've been kind of pioneering that movement which has been quite interesting um but sort of in short one thing she had mentioned was that um, when she was calling manufacturing sites um, for the early days when she was trying to find a manufacturing partner for Chirps Chips, um, her co-founder, who's also a woman, had told her to lower her voice. And initially she was like, why would I change myself? You know, that kind of feels really strange and, and really weird. And I think instinctively that's how we all feel. Um, but I think kind of what um, what um, is really important is sort of, you know, not telling anybody to, to change themselves or anything like that. And it's obviously totally up to you, but I think sometimes you do have to alter, um, you know, the way in which you present yourself or the way in which you um, present your deck or your opportunity just to be able to open certain doors. And it's really unfortunate, but I think unless or, unless, or until there is this sort of like systematic um, change, I think that there won't um, sort of really be um, an opportunity to kind of just go at it full force. And so I think you do have to make some short-term sacrifices. You know, maybe you do have to, in Laura's case, like make their voice a little bit lower um, or or your own voice a little bit lower. Um, or, um, you know, you have to, um, you know, maybe change your pitch deck and, and make it more about the unicorn opportunity versus the data or the numbers backing it up. And so I think kind of thinking about um, different ways in which to work with the system even if the system isn't ideal or, or nearly ideal and so I think first step would be to really understand kind of the biases that people have and obviously some of them are obvious you know just against women or against people of color but I think kind of going deeper of like maybe it's higher pitch voices that they have um, you know aversions to or maybe it's uh, people talking too quickly or maybe it's this particular type of deck or a particular type of presentation of an opportunity and so I think kind of understanding where people's pushbacks are and not saying they're right because they're usually wrong since bias of any kind is not good um but I think kind of understanding where um having a more nuanced understanding um to like where people's hesitations instinctively a lot of it is subconscious um but I think kind of having this nuanced understanding is really important and being able to to work from there um so yeah that's a little bit on my thoughts here and hopefully that was was helpful that was really good i think um kind of you touched on the main uh key uh points on women entrepreneurship and vc which i think um is, is very important right now i think even moving forward post the post-covid world um, um so uh, this is really good. I really liked it. And I think people find this really important. I just have a question in terms of, yeah. so for the female focus VC fund, um, how do you think that will shift the paradigm? Like, uh, I know you kind of mentioned earlier, 4% of uh, capital allocation goes to women, um, on, uh, approximately, it might be lower. Um, the role of VC fund, I think the FFF you mentioned, and uh, uh, the other ones, um, how do you think that will really have that impl implication or, you know, kind of shift, um, you know, capital allocation towards more women? I know, like, women are actually more in terms of, you know, population in the United States, right, than men. Yeah. So evidently, they have to do a lot more work on that. So what is, what's your take of that in general? Like, 
uh, do we need more female focused VC fund or do we need to go into already existing funds and kind of encourage them to hire more women? Yeah, totally. So I think uh, what's interesting is it's really much an upstream problem. So mm. Female Founders Fund, for example, the person who founded it is, um, or there's two founders, but the, the main person is Su Tian Dong, who's actually no longer with the fund. She's working on something else now, but she, um, let me just sort of see her, her background really quickly, but basically prior to um, founding Females Founder Fund, like she was a prolific investor, like she, um, you know, had such great credentials um, and she had worked with like other funds before um, and she had been a really great, um, oh, she was at First Mark, um, which is like this really, really great pre-seed fund. They basically invested in like, and they've invested in like Pinterest, for example, and like a bunch of other companies that ended up going public. And they like, I think they have a bunch of people on the Midas list every year. And so um, she had a really great background um, in investing with this really great fund. And she also had really great operating experience, having co-founded um, a company before and working at head of marketing. Um, and she came from Stern um, and had great business experience there. Um, and so basically, I think, with um, you know her background, people would have thought she would have been able to raise a fund super easily. And she also had a partner, um, or she, the partner is still with the fund, um, but her name is Anu. Um, and Anu was previously um, a serial entrepreneur herself, London Business School, um, and like just super prolific, um, you know, person um, as well, and, and had some really great exit. But then. They actually pitched to, I was reading their story, and they had actually pitched to hundreds and hundreds of LPs, limited partners, um, who all rejected them, um, whether immediately or like over time. And so um, I think that's pretty typical as well. And like JNBC too, like they um, really incredible, like Harvard grad, um, you know, previously was investing with a really big, I, th I think it was Excel or something, but a tier one fund um, and, and had a senior leadership role there. But then she was only able to raise $2 million, which is really small by VC fund standards. So I think a lot of it is upstream problems because it's, you know, who can these VC funds raise from? They're, you know, these people aren't putting in their own capital. I mean, maybe they are, but it's not going to be going to move the needle unless they're like Jeff Bezos or something. And so I think it's really about um, LPs and sort of LPs. I think sometimes they're like fund of funds. And so they don't end up like being super in tune with like micro level, not like micro, but like more specific trends. They just look at macro trends of like enterprise versus consumer or like China versus the US or you know emerging markets versus non-emerging markets or where interest rates these days or things like that and they don't end up getting into the nuances of like diversity and culture um, and gender balance um, and things like that because they're just so high level and also they tend to be like super large organizations like pension funds or endowments and so they're great obviously but they end up being like slower moving and so I think there's um, kind of a lot of impact that they can have that they don't even realize that they can have but I think when and if they're kind of more mindful about that um, it'll shift the landscape but I think the bottleneck isn't so much in the funds themselves because um, they ultimately have to raise and, and they have to continuously raise in order to be able to do follow-ons and continue to support the companies they invested in and continue to invest in more new companies you have to 
constantly be raising a fund like every couple of years um and, and having kind of gone through the fundraising process myself obviously not um with my own fund but with my current fund it's so so much work and you definitely do end up pitching hundreds of people even if you're like already have a great track record as an investor a great background great great operator background you know you're a serial entrepreneur it still takes years um and hundreds of the pitches so i think there's a lot of um you know kind of challenges for anybody raising a fund but i think um also especially for women raising a fund um and i think part of it comes from like lp pushback or hesitation definitely and just the <clears throat> kind of i think summarizing and maybe uh something that uh, i mean in our fourth session people will be able to ask q a or will be yeah. able to to consolidate some questions uh, i think one that i'm just curious about kind of to end this session is uh, in the covid war and post covid are there opportunities for female entrepreneurs to start a new type of company um and do you think um yeah i, I think something like that like do you think women will have more opportunities in this covid war and post covid or it's going to be yeah, similar I- I think what's interesting is that you know with childcare in particular I think um people are coming to realize um I mean I was everybody knew childcare was a thing but I think people parents in particular uh, both parents you know mommy and dad um they're coming to realize that childcare is actually a huge kind of problem and a huge um you know area that is actually super challenging both on the people who um innovate around it the teachers everybody who's involved and i think before women um you know took jobs outside of the home like you know they had their their professional full-time jobs and they would also take the lion's share of work at home and as a result women started to drop out of the workforce at um sort of alarming rates and definitely rates higher than men because they had just so many responsibilities with their children and um with um you know just like housework in general and i think men and i don't think it was you know intentional obviously because n- nobody i don't like anybody's like malicious but i think there was just sort of this underappreciation um of the housework or children related work that women do at home um by their partners so their their partners will be appreciated and i think now um because their partners are only like home um you know kind of swinging in at night for dinner and, and then going back up to their office or in the morning just leaving the women with the kids and, and driving right off to work but i think now that everybody's at home all together all day long men are starting to realize um as well that um you know it's actually a really challenging job um you know being a parent and and taking care of kids and um you know it's not appreciated nearly enough so i think that people are going to start to figure out ways um just right now in the interim of like dividing housework more even like just because you kind of have to right now to like be able to survive and manage your kids um but then i think that you know patterns stay and in realizations and eye opening experiences stay and and last and so i think moving forward there will be kind of this greater appreciation for women whether it's just women um you know professional in general and in i think that kind of spreads to female founders and funders um and so i think there will be a lot of opportunities there that are hopefully um more positive um as well uh, th- those are great points and so i mean uh that makes sense. i think that's one positive thing that came out of covid right so yeah. men to really appreciate um kind of the hard work that comes into it so but uh but just thank you so much i think this is very meaningful um uh i think um 
just having someone like you that works in VC um, and you know, based on your track record and kind of what you're doing, that by itself is an inspiration. And I think that's one of the main reasons why I reached out to you to organize this series because I think, um, I mean, this 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 is a very good example of you know someone who broke into the VC, breaking into the VC world, and actually trying to lead others uh, um, in within your generation, but also inspiring people. I mean, in, in my generation as well. So I'm both men and women, not just women. So I Thank applaud you. you. So Definitely. Um, so thanks again. Um, I think um, I, I really enjoy it and I hope others enjoy it as well. Um, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was really great to speak with everyone and just look forward to the next one on China and emerging markets. Yes, I'm excited about that too. So um, thank you so much. Great yeah. to speak to you, um, and have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. Thank you. And thank Take you, care. guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.